yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time imon irok the yen of chacht erachor. Agus suligam a makan sha gurfeder erachor inuik kiart len of winter fein. Skilti fis turmi. Tashe dochrecha nach vetoch ara igornamyan on kestchen ekol. Vien talam aginam griv arkar nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. The Six Nations on the Left Wing Podcast. Hello, you're welcome to The Left Wing. I'm Sinead Kazan. Well, the Ireland team to play Wales has been named for Saturday's Six Nations opener in Cardiff. We didn't expect any major curveball for this one, but then came the team announcement and no Tyke Furlong in the team because of his calf injury. Finley Bealham starts at tight head. Also, Stuart McCloskey starts at 12. Bundy Aki is on the bench. Johnny Sexton, as expected, is fit to play. And Ross Byrne is the backup 10. We'll get into the rest of the bench in a while. Now, I'm here at the Wales team base at the Vale Resort. They had a few press conferences here earlier and we got the news that Liam Williams replaces Lee Halfpenny at full back in the Wales team because Halfpenny got a back spasm this morning. But let's get straight into the Ireland team. Rory O'Connor joins us from the Algarve where Ireland have been based for the past week. Rory, no tight furlong. Did, did you have any indication over there that he might not make this game? No, and he's here. He's you know He travelled with the team over to Portugal and has been training, but just they weren't fully confident that his his his, sorry, his calf issue that has dogged him for the last little while and kept him out of Leinster action would clear up in time and that he will be able to get through 60, 70 minutes of test match action against a good Welsh team in the Six Nations kind of cauldron. Um, they've decided to go with Finley Bealham and hold him back for another week. So, yeah, we, we had a good good idea of what the team was going to be across the board. And um, it's not quite clear how late they made this type for an on-call, but, you know, they're right if he's not right to, to risk it because it's a long campaign. It's a World Cup year. He's had a lot of little niggly issues around different areas. He's missed quite a lot of, of Leinster rugby really in the last year or two with hamstrings, lower backs. Now it's his calf issue. It's a bit of a concern. Um, and Finney Bealham gets the nod with Tom O'Toole on the bench. It's a much less experienced, much less formidable Irish pack without Tyke Furlong in there. Albeit they're both good players who, who Andy Farrell has a lot of trust in, but it's a big test for them. It's the biggest game of their lives. Did he do it as well with France in mind a week later? Do you think is he going to be fit for that type furlong? Yeah, he, Andy Farrell said like he 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 does think that you know furlong is almost ready and and that they could have chanced him for this game. And I think the big concern what would be that he goes out there, tweaks it, and is unavailable for the rest of the campaign or just for France. But I don't think they're taking Wales lightly. At the same time, I I think if it was France this weekend, they probably wouldn't have pushed it either. Like they have to get this right. They can't. Um, they can't put players out. There's one thing Andy Farrell, I think, has been very good at. He, he'll back the guy who's fit, the guy who's training, and he'll go. He's not going to force a player or try and get a player who's a little bit hobbled out there. So it's 
it's sensible, but it's 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 uh, you know it, it, it makes Ireland's day a lot more difficult on Saturday. Yeah, so as you said, Finlay Beelham obviously starts, Tom O'Toole is on the bench. When the news came through, it just brought me back to last November and what a missed opportunity that was because Tyke started all those three games. Finlay came on after 41 minutes against South Africa. Tom O'Toole came on after 49 in the Fiji game and Finlay came on after 62 minutes against Australia. I mean, now he's starting a Six Nations game. So it just really feels like even more that he would have got a lot out of if he had started a game in November as well for Ireland. Yeah. Absolutely, and I, I I would be quite praiseworthy of a lot of Andy Farrell's selection decisions. But yeah, that November he was quite, you know, but he was kind of invested in the team and backing the same players to go again and again. Um, and as the World Cup approaches, it looks like he's quite settled on a team. And and you'd wonder whether maybe if he cast the net a little bit further at that time. If Beelham's only started four games for Ireland, and um, three of them at loose at tight head, one at loose head against Georgia, they've come against Canada, the USA, and Japan in that July game in twenty twenty one. You know, he hasn't got an, he's got 27 caps. He's played in big games. He's beaten the All Blacks. Mm-hmm. He's come off the bench in big games. It's not like, you know, and they do tend to bring him on. You know, they don't, you know, Furlong doesn't go 80 very often, but it's different starting away at Six Nations, you know, first Six Nations start away from home in Cardiff. But he's a, he's been really good for Connacht this season. He's been, Growing as an influence, Farrell was very complimentary about the way he conducts himself around the place. And the fact that he's quite a big, big talker behind the scenes, that he's a big personality for them. So that, you know, gives them a bit of comfort. And he's been around this setup for a long time. He's been a consistent presence on that bench. So they have confidence in him. And Wales, I suppose, are probably not the scrummaging team that some of, you know, that it's not France and it's not England. Uh, even Scotland, you would say, have a stronger scrum than, than Wales. I mean, Wales would be decent there, but it wouldn't be their biggest area of strength. Yeah, I remember actually speaking to Finlay at the start of the season and he was saying the thing about the Ireland camp is that he just feels more comfortable being himself and that Andy Farrell kind of allows that. Now, the other big selection uh, we thought before actually the team was announced was was at 12, obviously. Stuart McCluskey um, starts there. I can't believe this is his first Six Nations game since he made his debut in 2016 against England in Twickenham, but he merits this, doesn't he, Rory? Yeah, and it, it, it's, it's been quite a... You know, quite quite a couple of years for him since that day when he threw a couple of offloads and was hauled ashore and was basically disappeared after that by Joe Schmidt. He kind of came back in for a couple of one-off games like Fiji at home. He started alongside Chris Farrell. It was always part of a kind of a um, a second string or he was always kind of put in there in the games where the, 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 the frontliners were away. And he's obviously in huge competition with Robbie Henshaw and Bundyaki. It's a tough jersey to get that number 12 shirt. But he came in in November. He did well. And with, you know... Aki not playing very regularly. I think they quite like having Aki at 23. I think they like bringing him on for the last 20, 30 minutes of games to kind of bring energy, bring momentum. And with Henshaw out, it was I thought it was a fairly obvious choice. I mean, there's a lot of momentum behind Jamie Osborne. I think he's playing really well. I think from what we hear, the Ireland have been very impressed with what he's brought behind the scenes. You know, training has been really good. He's taken to it like a duck to water. He has a big future ahead of him. But McCluskey did very little wrong in November. Um and it's just part of that settled team thing. You know, Farrell has backed them to, he's come in, he's played three games, he's played well, he keeps the jersey. Um, maybe if Henshaw came back, it might be a little bit different. Do you think he's a big game player? I mean, you mentioned there he started those three games, you know, at home in November. But, you know, Principality Stadium, Six Nations, there's a whole, you know, different gravy. Yeah, I think like he's a consistently excellent performer for Ulster and he, he's got a quite nuanced skill set. I know he's a big man and, and we all look at that kind of banger bulldozer thing that apparently he hates, but you know, that he wins collisions and he throws offloads and but he, there's more to him than that. Like this is this is a different challenge. He's up against the you know, less experienced Welsh twelve thirteen combination. Um 
he's got Ringrose outside of him. He's got Sexton inside him. He doesn't need to be the star of the show here. He just needs to play well. Um, but he'll rise to it, I think. He'll, he, he's more than capable of, of performing. In a, in a different era, he would have an awful lot more caps. He just happens to be you know, unlucky that his, his career has come at a time where Ireland have, you know, they, they've got developed Robbie Henshaw, they brought in Bundyaki. He's had a very tough time getting into this team. But that doesn't mean that he's not a good player. He's just in a very competitive area. So what about Bundyaki, as you mentioned there, on the bench? What are we missing out on if we don't have, not having a Jimmy O'Brien there or a Jordan Larmer? And I know Gary Ringrose's versatility might be moved to the wing, but why exactly is he going for Bundy? And I know he's done it before, obviously, as well. Yeah, it's 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 a selection Farrell has, has gone for a couple of times. He, you know, Joe Schmidt used to agonise over what would happen if this scenario, this scenario, this scenario, when I don't have a left foot kicker, he would he would work out every piece of the chessboard and he'd be picking, like a lot of times Felix Jones was his number 23 for a long time when other players were more exciting or more impactful, but Jones covered the most positions or covered, the, you know, did what Schmidt did in every scenario. Whereas I think Farrell just sees the upside of being able to bring a player of Aki's physicality, his uh, experience, his big game mentality in to the cauldron with half an hour to go. And I think that's a, that's a big part of it. I don't think he's worried that much about not having someone to play on the left wing for the last 20 minutes if things go badly or if there's a red card. Sure, Jimmy O'Brien covers more positions. Jamie Osborne covers more positions. Um, but they, Matt Hansen can play across the back three. Gary Ringrose, as I said, can move out. Like Ross Byrne, even like Jack Crowley's more versatile. But Andy Farrell's obviously decided that Ross Byrne's the guy if he's if, if Sexton goes down. I think he, he's come to that... That that big kick against Australia was was a big moment in Ross Byrne's career. Suddenly, Ross Byrne has been talked about in a very different tone by Isn't the Ireland he? coach. It's it's incredible, and it, you know, he, he he has this jersey now. He is the, he's the man. Yeah, and just looking at the rest of the bench there, I mean, there was a few other kind of, we didn't know, you know, obviously Keane Healy's in there now ahead of Dave Kilcoyne. We've got Ian Henderson there, Jack Conan and Conor Murray on the bench. What do you make about that bench composition? It's very experienced, isn't it? I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's kind of the bench that's been there a lot all along the way. And, you know, Ryan Baird can consider himself unlucky. Um, like, there's a number of players who are who are an excellent, excellent for Gavin Coombs is the one I was trying to think of there when I had yeah. that pause. Um, like, there are players in form playing really well. Like, Dave Kilcoyne's having a really good season for Munster recently. I thought he might push for that uh, number 17 shirt. Like, Rob Herring's playing well. Um, I, you would have probably got more out of Kelleher, but Herring's never really let Ireland down. So Tom Atul aside, it's it's very experienced bench. Like Ross Byrne, if he does come in after 50, 60 minutes, if Sexton can't get through the 80, I mean, he, he has so much action under his belt for Leinster. He's been involved in, I think it was 17 or 15 out of their 17 games this season, all wins. He is, you know, him and Conor Murray bring a, a lot of assuredness. I know Ross Byrne doesn't have an awful lot of caps or international experience, but he's got a lot of big games under his belt. Aki's experience, it's just... Like there's a lot of centrally contracted players on that bench. There's a lot of who players who used to be kind of the, the leadership core. Now they're they're coming in and they're they're contributing in a different way. And Farrell has managed them onto that bench in a way that hasn't uh, hasn't seemed to kind of brought about any unrest. You know, even Jack Conan, Test Lion, two two or three years ago, he's part of that bench. He's gone to close it out. We saw in Twickenham last year the influence that him and Conor Murray can have in games like this. So it's it's. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of experience. There's a lot of players, I think, who would be really disappointed they're not involved this week because they came into this camp playing really well and they're unlucky to miss out. So how do you reckon, now that we know the Irish pack, how do you think that stacks up against the one that uh, Warren Gatland named uh, earlier this week? We had Adam Baird in here in the Vale Resort earlier and he made it very clear. He said, make no bones about it. We're going to push them set-piece time. We're going to go for them set-piece time and we're looking forward to that, that confrontational battle on the weekend. 
Yeah, I mean, Ireland, there's still, I think, a little bit of doubt around the scrum. And with Bealham there ahead of Furlong, that, that increases that doubt. But they have answered those questions in the past at, at various stages. I don't think Wales are the same calibre as a South Africa or France or in England, the top kind of scrummaging teams in the world. But they, they have good players. They have a lot of experience there. They have in the past gone after Ireland in the air, you know, put pressure on Dan Sheehan's throw, which has been a little bit wobbly at times in the last couple of weeks. You know, Ireland's mall, like Leinster have been, you know, mauled over a couple of times, you know, that Gloucester game where they conceded two penalty tries. You know, that, that will all be taken account of. These are a lot of the same players who were involved in those games. Leinster Scrum has struggled recently, especially against the Ospreys. Now, it wasn't the first choice pack, but it still was, you know, some similar, there are some similarities, some you know, things that Wales will draw comfort from. But really, I think Ireland have a very good pack. It's a very settled pack. I know Furlong not being there is a major concern, but around them, so around Finley Beelan, it, there's a lot of class there. Like Caelan Doris, we haven't mentioned. Josh van der Feer, we haven't mentioned. Peter Romani's an excellent former leader in that back row. Ryan and, Be- and, and, and Ty Byrne are an unbelievable second row partnership. They don't have the kind of Adam Beer profile of being a big tractor lock, you know, a big um, physical specialist who's, who splinters malls in the way that, say, Joe McCarthy or John Klein would, but they have um, a lot of athleticism, a lot of experience together, and they're you know they offer an awful lot, and they play the Irish way. They, the the pace with which Ireland played, the ability to to to, to use their forwards as playmakers and move the ball out wide, that we didn't really see as much in November. You'd be hoping that after a good you know ten days here in Portugal, that they're going to, able to find a little bit of their mojo again and bring take Wales to places that they don't want to go. So we got confirmation today that the roof was going to be closed. I mean, this is just, it was just <laughs> really handy media fodder for us every two years, for us in the media, about whether the roof was going to be open or closed. But like, it was an absolute mess in 2019, which is the last time they played in front of a crowd here. And it really did come back to haunt Joe Schmidt. The rain came down. Um but I just think this is almost another sign from Andy Farrell that he does not want to get up, get caught up in other stuff like that, like whether the roof is open or closed. It's just another sign of that from Andy Farrell, isn't it? He doesn't sweat the small stuff about things no. like that. He, he said it, like his, his, his quotes are up on our website. It's, you know, we embrace it. We want to we want to play in places like this. We want to bring the noise. He said himself, he, he had a, he's a poor record of himself over in Cardiff. He, he lost a Challenge Cup final there when he was playing for Wigan against St. Helens. He lost an EDF Energy Anglo-Welsh Cup game against the Ospreys and it was a semi-final there I think he lost there playing for England as well it's a very difficult place to go and play rugby it's a it's a hard place to win um and I love going there it's it's such a great place to watch rugby it's such an amazing stadium I know there's a a bit of a problem around there there's a lot of drunk people in the stadium at times but when the noise gets going in there it is phenomenal and 215 kickoff, I don't know, will that be diluted a little bit? But the roof being closed will add to the atmosphere. And Ireland have t- spoken all week about their experience in Paris last year and that, that, that they were a bit shell shocked by that in the first 20 minutes. But they feel more ready about that. And there was some more good stuff from Andy Farrell around kind of building the mentality, the consistency around this team. Um, he doesn't get caught up in those minutiae, that he doesn't let that stuff um, break his stride. And I think that's why he even relishes the fact that the furlong isn't there. Other coaches will be will be really stressful about stressed about this. They they will be kind of you know talking about their concerns in the media. Farrell wasn't. He was like, no, Finley Bilham's a really good player. I back him completely. Now, I I think that's I I firmly believe that's the way he feels about it. I don't think he's putting on a front. He just goes, right, this was stand to us in the long term. I want to see how we react with our tie. Other players have to step up, get on with it, and he doesn't get too worried about that sort of thing. 
and I'm sure that shows in the rest of the players as well when they're getting that off the head coach. What's the vibe been like over there, Rory? You've been there now for the last few days. I see the sun coming in through your curtains there. It's been it's been damp and drizzly here in Cardiff, uh, in Wales this morning. So what's the vibe been like there over the last few days this week? It's been quite relaxed. I thought Tuesday training was a bit, they kind of seemed like they, they tore up the script, whatever they were planning on doing. They changed completely what they were doing. I think that's part of what Farrell does. He was lighting a, a fire underneath the players, making them less comfortable. But look, it's a nice place to be. They've enjoyed being in the sun. It's not that hot over here. It's about probably 15, 16 degrees. It's cold overnight. It's, it's been lovely during the days. They were all relaxing by the pool when the team was being announced earlier. Like it, it I think getting them out of Ireland and over here it works for them they they enjoy it. it 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 lightens their mood a little bit it probably takes them out of the kind of the, the fulcrum of the of the kind of pre six nations hype as well now it hasn't always worked they got hammered against england having come from here a couple of years ago they they then lost their opener against wales in, in 2022 and uh or 2021 the last time that or when they were over here as well so it hasn't always gone to plan so but there has been a relaxed move mood around them they've They've been quite open when we've been chatting to them. They're very confident. They're coming off the back of a very, very strong year, but they, they still feel like there's more to give. Um, but look, it's the Six Nations. It's Cardiff. There's, it, they can be confident and collect it all they like. You know, they've still got to go out and do it on Saturday. They've still got to go out and perform. And you know, we saw two years two years ago when Peter Omani was sent off how badly things can go wrong, how quickly things can go wrong. So there's no guarantees of anything. But certainly, yeah, there's a there's, they're, they're in good spirits. They're positive and they're confident. Well, you sound positive and confident, Rory, as we wrap here. So you're you look good for an Ireland win, yeah? Um, I think the sp- the seven point spread in, in Ireland's favour surprises me. Like Gatlin's back, yeah, he's picked an awful lot of experience. They're at home. Ireland haven't won in Cardiff since twenty thirteen. The Simon Zebo clip flick. Um, they've lost all sorts of ways over there, but they generally Wales have deserved most of those wins over the years. You know, this has been a bit of a graveyard for Ireland. So, like, yeah, I think. I'm confident that Ireland will perform well. And I think when Ireland perform well, they're very hard to beat. And that's what Andy Farrell's built over the last year. But I don't think it's a guarantee. I don't think they can take anything for granted going over there. But you just look at the potential of this Ireland team, the year they've just had, the year that we're about to have, um, and how things un- unlock. For, this unlocks the championship for them. If they win in Cardiff, suddenly everything is on the table. Grand Slam, ch- championship, France coming to town a week later. They really can't afford to slip up here. I think if they slip up here, it would be a major step back. Now, with Furlong missing, there's more of a reason why it might happen. But look, we, we can't be relying on one or two players. It's got to be, you got, you got like, I think when we did our jury at the start of the, of the campaign, everyone said there's like Sexton, Furlong, and Porter are the two, are the, the three players Ireland can't afford to be without. Well, we're about to find out if they can afford to be without them this weekend. So I, I think Ireland have a really good shot. I wouldn't be massively confident about them. I think Wales are going to give it a serious rattle with Gatlin back and could very well win but I think Ireland are going to edge a tight affair um, and get the ball rolling on on what should be a a memorable Six Nations season for them Great stuff Rory thanks for that now I'll be at the Principality Stadium for the final press conferences on Friday on the eve of the opener so we'll have a left wing podcast for you tomorrow and we'll also have a podcast after Saturday's game with Rory and Keane Tracy but that's it for now thanks for listening Six Nations on the Left Wing Podcast. Rate, review and follow the show on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast.